So I want to speak to you from the book of Revelation, which I've been in, um, in my personal devotions and I've been studying it besides. But I want to give you this word as an introduction. Uh, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 7, this is just to set us off. Behold, he comes with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. The Lord Jesus is coming back soon. You only have to look around the world and see what's going on and see uh, the unveiling, as it were, that we're living in the last of the last days. And it behoves us to be ready. I want to look briefly at one of the churches that John wrote to in the book of Revelation. Now, you'll remember that he wrote to seven churches. And if you can visualize a horseshoe, on the left of the horseshoe at the bottom is Ephesus. Then you've got Smyrna. Then you've got Pergamos. At the top, you've got Thyatira. Then you've got Sardis. Then you've got Philadelphia. And lastly, you've got Laodicea. Seven churches. Now there are those (coughs) who believe that those seven churches are representative of the church down the ages. From the church at the beginning, Ephesus, through to the church at the end of the age, the Laodicean church. There are others who believe that the churches are representative of churches in every age. And that is to a degree true. I happen to believe, like many, that the churches, the seven churches, are representative of the churches down the ages. Now, if we're living in the last of the last days, then the church today in the West is the Laodicean church. Now, if we lived in China, we wouldn't say that. We would say we're living in the time of the Philadelphian church because the church is growing exponentially in that country despite the repression and suffering that the church is enduring in China today. Why are so many Chinese coming here from Hong Kong? Because they're persecuted. And they're being pushed out. But I want to focus briefly on the Laodicean church and just consider it. You know, you've got your food bank and you must continue to contribute to that. In every age, at every time, there'll always be the poor who need the help and support of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, as well as social concern and social care, which has its place. We should be concerned for the poor. But our nation is one of the five richest nations globally. 
We can easily forget that. And by comparison, we are very rich. So can we turn to Revelation chapter 3 and verses 14 through to 22, just for a brief time together? And I'm actually reading from the King James um, without the these and thous. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning or the ruler, as it says in the NIV, of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I would you are cold or hot. So then, because you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And you don't know that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel you to buy of me gold tried in the fire that you may be rich and white clothing that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness do not appear and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man or woman hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup and eat with him and fellowship with him and he with me. To him that overcomes will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. Amen. Amen. So briefly, <coughs> Laodicea, it was a prosperous city. It lay at a crossroads which went from the east, that's the west, isn't it, as you look, it went from the east to the west and from the north to the south. Consequently, there was trade, lots of trade going through the city of Laodicea. In AD 60, there was a massive earthquake which all but wrecked it. And the Roman Empire was such that they would offer support to catastrophes like that. But Laodicea was so rich, they declined help from Nero. It was a center of banking and commerce. <clears throat> the Lord Jesus always speaks to us in ways in which we can understand. You'll remember his parables, which were always taken from daily life, illustrations that people could readily understand. 
there was a large trade in Laodicea in black sheep that produced, and they produced gloss black garments. And they were used widely by the Laodiceans in their daily clothing. They'd have looked like exclusive brethren, I think, walking around, wouldn't they? Very soberly dressed. One thing which Laodicea lacked was a permanent and plentiful water supply. Water was piped in from hot springs some distance away, probably from Hierapolis. By the time it reached the city, it was tepid. And they tell us it was used as a medicinal emetic. It made you vomit. At Hierapolis, they had the hot springs. Just down the road at Colossae, they got lovely, refreshing, cold water, ice cold. And Laodicea was also known as a medical center for eye complaints. Now let's just look at the Lord Jesus. He speaks differently to each of the churches that he sends an epistle to. And to the Laodicean church, he describes himself as the Amen. Now we use Amen as a mark of ascension, don't we? When we pray, our prayers conclude with Amen. Amen. Absolutely. But that it means what is to be trusted and certain. In Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 9, it says this. Know therefore that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God which keeps covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations, not just one, but a thousand generations. He's the Amen God. Hallelujah. Is he your God? Hallelujah. Praise him. In John's Gospel, in the good old King James Version, it's used 25 times, verily, Verily, in the NIV, it says, I tell you the truth. And this is what that word amen means. What is to be trusted and certain? These things, says the amen. Hallelujah. He's the true and faithful witness. In fact, in the early verses of Revelation... John says, uh, John to the seven churches in Asia, grace to you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come and from the seven spirits which are before his throne and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead. That word witness 
means martyr. The Greek word is martyr, and we get martyr from it. So Jesus Christ is the faithful martyr. I'm reading a book at the moment. It's about the (coughs) revival in China. And if you want your heart to be challenged and encouraged, there are two books, and I'd encourage you to get them and read them, the China Chronicles. But I'd, I'd barely open the page. And I was so challenged by what the writer writes. You're, you'll know of the heavenly man, won't you, Brother Young? Yeah. Yes. Well, this is what he says in the foreword. I remember in the early 1980s when the Chinese house churches were undergoing severe persecution and many of our co-workers were imprisoned. Our favourite songs at the time, get this, were Be the Lord's Witness to the Ends of the Earth and Martyrs for the Lord. When we sang the words to be a martyr for the Lord, to be a martyr for the Lord. Everyone would cry out, not some, everyone would cry out, Lord, send me to preach the gospel. I'm willing to follow you. I'm willing to be a martyr to glorify your name. When was the last time we sang a song like that when we got together? To be a martyr for the Lord. To be a martyr for the Lord. No wonder the church in China is growing like wildfire. Jesus also described himself as the ruler of the creation of God or as the King James says, the beginning of the creation of God. It means so much more. It means he's the origin, the beginning, the author of God's creation. Hallelujah. And he sits enthroned in the heavens. Hallelujah. And he condescends to speak to us, his church. Hallelujah. Oh, for ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Now, the problem in Laodicea, which we read and we know, I'm not telling you anything you don't know already, am I? But oh, that it was quickened by God the Spirit to our hearts this morning. The Lord Jesus said of them, they're neither cold nor hot. Now, if I'd got a stethoscope, I'd say, Put a stethoscope on your chest. Take your own temperature. Are you cold or are you hot? Or are you lukewarm? Oh, to be hot for Jesus. Or to have the kind of appetite that Brother Yun speaks of. To be a martyr for the Lord. Wow. Hey. In our days, if if we as believers took that to heart, how we could radically change the localities in which we live and people would see the power of God 
at work in us and through us. Now, Jesus says that's the problem. That's the problem with the last day's church, certainly in the West. Lukewarm reminds us of the temperature of the natural water in Laodicea. If you drank it, you'd vomit. And Jesus spoke of those dear believers in Laodicea. You're neither cold nor hot, and I'll vomit you out of my mouth. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. And the Lord Jesus goes on and says, because you say, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Boy, oh boy. You know, we're surrounded by so many things, aren't we? It doesn't say, I'm not, you know, there's poverty. There's poverty around, I know. But we're rich comparatively. We're so rich. What do we place our value on? And Jesus says, you don't know that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. What he's really saying is you've gained the wrong kind of wealth. Now there is, as we all know, the prosperity gospel. Follow Jesus and you'll be blessed and you'll have money more than you can know what to do with. And they base that on 2 John. I can't find the scripture just now, but it says, I would that you prosper. But the kind of prosperity which John is talking of in that epistle is prosperity of soul and spirit in our Lord Jesus, that we're prospering in him and knowing him intimately and closely. Thank you. Thank you so much, brother. It's uh, 3 John, verse 2. I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. But that's not material prosperity. Don't be deceived by it. I remember David Wilkerson, before he passed away, speaking specifically to the church he was ministering to in that day. And he said, okay, he said, you take that gospel to Sarajevo. There were wars in the Balkans in those days. You take it there and see if it works. And it doesn't, of course. You take that gospel to Ukraine today. Does it work? No, it doesn't. But your soul prospering and being fat and flourishing in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Yes. The product of the kind of thinking that the Laodiceans had got was arrogance, which God hates, because it's speaking of self-sufficiency, 
Whereas God is our all-sufficiency. Oh, praise him. Jesus said, you're wretched. You're in hardship. You're suffering. You're in distress. You're miserable. Do you know what that really means is this. It means one who has the means available to relieve his pain, but chooses not to take advantage of it. Isn't that amazing? Rather be miserable with Jesus at a distance than joyful having him right at the centre. Hallelujah. He says, you're poor, a beggar, a cringing pauper, poverty-stricken, powerless to enrich. Now, it says of Smyrna, the Lord Jesus said of Smyrna, the second church, I know your works and tribulation and poverty. And then it says in brackets, but you're rich. (laughs) You're rich. Why are they rich? Because Jesus was there at the center. Do you know? The Smyrna church is the only one, apart from Philadelphia, that the Lord Jesus doesn't criticize. He can't find fault with them because they've got Jesus right at the center. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now they suffered and they suffered greatly, as did the church at Pergamos. So, Jesus also said, you're blind and you're naked. And they were living in a city that had got an eye clinic and they were blind. So what the glorified Christ is saying is that everything that's in Laodicean society is found in his church. Now you only have to look not very far to see how compromised the church universal of which I'm a part and you're a part to see how compromised we are. Some of those churches that the Lord Jesus wrote to, there was heresy going on. And just a few weeks ago, I was listening in a service to a preacher who said something heretical. And when I related this to my son, he said, I would have stood up and shouted. And maybe I should have. I did challenge the preacher after the end of the service. But maybe we should be more militant. When we hear something, if I say something that's heretical, stand up, challenge me, stand for the truth. Oh, Lord Jesus, give us a heart after yourself, we pray. So what's the prescription for the Laodicean church? Well, the Lord Jesus gives it clearly. And I'm so glad our God's consistent. Because if you read Isaiah 55, it says, Ho, everyone that thirsts, 
Come you to the waters. Come you, buy and eat. And what does Jesus say here? I counsel you to buy of me gold tried in the fire that you may be rich. Amen. Hallelujah. Where's your money? Where's your money? Have you got your gold bars at home? Have you got them buried in the ground? All your riches, wherever they may be, are they in the bank? In the safe? They won't do you any good. The kind of gold of which Jesus Christ speaks of is held in his fort. It's in his fort Knox, and you can't get at it. There's only one way. There's only one way. It's no good trying to go and rob it. There's only one way to get it, and it's to come to him and say, Lord, I haven't got anything. There's nothing to commend me except my sinfulness, except my waywardness, but I want the gold that you've got, which you can give me in abundance. Hallelujah. These are the kind of riches that we're denying ourselves if we keep the Lord at a distance. Come and call upon his name. And he'll give you gold yes. bars aplenty. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes, gold tried in the fire that you may be rich. And white clothing. They were wearing black clothing. But Jesus wants to give them white clothing. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. Purity. The shame of your nakedness doesn't appear. And anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. Not from the eye clinic, but from Jesus. Lord, anoint my eyes that I may see. Wonderful things which you have for me. The Lord Jesus desired of the Laodicean church that they had a vibrant faith. Dazzling purity and enlightened vision. <laughs> I'll go for some of that, will you? Oh, yes. Amen. Amen. There was a lack of love in the Laodicean church. You don't, the only love you read of is the love of the Lord Jesus. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. There was a lack of power. They were self-sufficient, but when it came to spiritual power, they got none. They were living in a vacuum. There was a lack of prayer. Why should they pray? They were satisfied. They got everything they needed. Pray. Call upon his name. Call down the blessing. Let God be enthroned in our hearts. So coming to the end, there's the time. We're doing well. Praise God. Yes. You know, this lovely picture at the end of this epistle of the Lord Jesus. Behold, look, I stand at the door and knock. This is the incredible thing that the Lord Jesus Christ, whose church it is, 
stands outside. Now, we've used that down the years, haven't we, as an evangelistic call. Behold, I stand on the door and knock at your heart's door. But you see, Christ's call to the church, universal, the Laodicean church, the church in the West today, is always to the individual. I stand at the door and knock. If any man or woman hear my voice, and open the door. I will come in to him or her and will eat. I will sup and fellowship. Amen. I'll fill you up with food that you know not of. Oh, Praise you, Lord. And he with me. It's two ways. It's not just Jesus giving to us. He wants to hear our needs, whatever they may be. There's no need too great that he cannot meet. Hallelujah. There's no addiction too deep that he cannot break the bonds of. There's no sin that leaves its mark, its uh, scars so deep that he cannot take away. Hallelujah. His blood makes the foulest clean. Can you say his blood avails for me? Well, as I finish, let me ask you, is he standing at the door and knocking? Let me in, let me in, let me in, let me come and fellowship with you. Let me come and eat with you. Let me come and give you life. And tell me what your needs are, and I can fulfill them. The Lord Jesus makes a promise to those in the last day's church that he makes to no other church. And it's this, to him that overcomes, will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame, and am set down with my Father in his throne. Hallelujah. That's incredible, isn't it? That's incredible. And how can that happen to you and to me? I counsel you to come and buy gold. And it's only found in one place, the bank of heaven. Jesus is the chief cashier. He's the heavenly dispenser who can give you that which will satisfy your soul. Glory to God. Praise his name.